I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. You beast! (laughs) A lot of women are screaming, you beast, at a lot of guys these days. And it is a justified accusation in lots, if not most cases, but not in the case of a big-time news network TV guy who is just hounded out of work. He's a news guy, all right? Who, what, when, where, and why are the five W's of any news story. You've got to have answers to each of those questions. Who, what, where, when, and why. And I think the most important of those questions is why. But why? That's the motivation motor. I mean, why did the president issue those pardons? Why does the drugstore always put the prescription desk at the back of the store? Motivation. Why did General George Washington tell his men to burn the boats on that god-awful cold Christmas Eve long ago when they were about to attack Trenton? What was his real motivation? It's the motive, the why, that counts most with how we really understand things. My best buddy and I live on two completely opposite sides of the political planet. But we're still best friends, because we keep in mind that the flags outside both of our houses are the same color. That's the motivation motor that keeps our friendship running. Besides, both of our wives have threatened awful consequences if we start talking politics. We both know that we both love America, and we respect that. And keeping that in mind makes it okay for us to still be best friends. Because it's the why, the motivation that counts. It's obvious that killing somebody is wrong, right? Well, except in self-defense. And in a war, we give medals to people who kill wholesale to defend our country. It's the motivation motor. The way we see things that makes the difference. And the way we see things very often come from lessons that our parents gave us. So what I'm going to tell you about that uh, TV news guy, the the reasons that I don't think he is really a beast comes from my perspective, the way I see things, my why. (laughs) So please let me explain the way I see things. Maybe I think the best way to do that is to give you a few few paragraphs about my dad from uh, my recent book. Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot. Available on Amazon.com. Shameless plug. My dad was the only hero I ever had. And that's too bad, because you don't really get to know the people who are your heroes. You know what they did, but you don't really know all the reasons why they did the things they did. Or how they felt about doing them. What was their motivation? We know that the first order George Washington gave his men when they crossed the Delaware that Christmas Eve night in 1776 was burn the boats. Now, my history book says that his motivation was so that his men had no choice but to beat the Hessians at Trenton because they had no boats to retreat to the other side of the river. Okay, but I wonder 
if he was also thinking, burning these damn boats will give these poor, freezing, barefoot, starving guys a few minutes of warmth before they go to lay down their lives for this thing that we believe in. We learned about Washington, the, the hero, the gutsy commanding guy who used his head and won our war. But I always wondered about Washington, the man, the friend. I mean, how did he feel watching his troops, a bunch of other guys, some of them his friends, on that frozen, awful night as they were getting ready to die to keep freedom warm and alive in their hearts and ours? I wonder about Christ like that sometimes, too. Not Christ, the miracle worker, the supernatural son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. See, I have kids. So I wonder about Christ as a baby, born in an animal's stinking stable. Kid, who must have been terrified by frequent nightmares of a, of a cross and thorns and bloody nails. And how about the young man? He had disciples and followers, but... Was there some other guy that he could trust to swap jokes with? And what was he feeling when a beautiful woman smiled at him? We're told there was no woman in his life. Why? I wish I knew why. Dad was a teacher. Most heroes are. The things Dad taught were simple, yet profound. He said things like, There is a big difference between soft and gentle. It takes real strength to be gentle. And he always said, There's a time for pulling yourself together, and there's a time for letting yourself go. He also said, Be a man. And there wasn't any confusion about what he meant when he said that. As a teacher... Dad knew that show was always more important than tell. So he showed how to be a man. Dad always told the truth, even when he screwed up. So I never saw him get embarrassed, even when sometimes I saw him cry. And he also said, big boys never cry, but big men sometimes do. Dad loved to tell long, involved jokes to make me laugh. He liked laughing, especially when the joke was on him. Dad was a deeply religious guy in a very unusual way. He said the rules should be very strict, but the application of them should be very human, understanding, and loving. Dad wasn't a big guy. I'm taller than he was. But he kept himself strong. He was always doing push-ups. He was, he was a college wrestler and a state champion quarter-mile track star. Dad was a peaceful guy, except if somebody gave my mom a hard time. I remember when I was a little kid, he came home one day, and he caught a delivery guy yelling at my mom. The delivery guy was a big husky guy. Dad didn't say a thing. He just picked that guy up and tossed him off the stoop. That was Dad's way of teaching me that job number one for any guy is taking care of his woman. Dad also always took time to stop at the florist shop up the block every day to bring my mom a rose or two. Usually he couldn't afford a dozen. Dad had five sons, but he never had a daughter until my Lady Wonderwitch came into our lives. 
When that happened, I had my lady, and Dad had his daughter. The night Dad died, she leaned over and kissed his forehead. He opened his eyes, and he said, That was very nice. I think those were his last words. A little while ago, I said I was almost sorry my dad was my hero because I only saw what he did, and I never really found out why he did most of those things, his motives. You know, and I think that's a guy thing, and it's too bad. I don't think I ever knew dad very well as just a guy, a guy with a wife and five kids and a mortgage and aches and pains and hopes and fears. I never have the slightest idea about his hopes and fears. Especially his fears. Must have had some. I think my lady Wonderwench got to know him better than I ever did. She knew him well enough to be the daughter that he always wanted. She was never his daughter-in-law. She was the daughter that he always wanted, maybe needed. I think the reason why guys always hope to have a daughter is that we'd kind of like to have somebody who is smart enough and caring enough to find out not just what we do, but why we do it and how we feel about what we've done. I'll never forget the day our daughter Chris was born. She opened her eyes and looked up at me and squinted a little bit, gave a little half smile that said, Hi, I know who you are. I'll be your daughter, so don't worry about a thing. And then she went back to sleep. <laughs> From that day on, I always tried to be the kind of guy that she thinks I am. I don't always make it, but I always try. That's my context, my motive, my way of looking at life. And my way of looking at life is one reason I'm not sure calling some guys you beast is really called for. Dick's Details, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you on edge out the other ear, and you can simmer down and smile. I remember back in the days of Sister Mary Knucklebuster, on fire drills, the kids had to line up in single file, and it was always the tallest kids in back, and I never understood that. I mean... Did she think tall kids were fire-resistant? <laughs> if the answer is a stick, what is the question? If the answer is a stick, what is the question? You don't know, do you? Of course not. I haven't told you yet, but I'll tell you in a minute. If the answer is a stick, what is the question? And the great Robin Williams famously said, Why do they call it rush hour when nothing can move? He also asked, why does the psychic network need a telephone number? Good questions. But it was Lily Tomlin who asked, why don't we have a name for the top of our feet? <laughs> Good questions that need answers. All right, but if the answer is a stick, the question is, what do you call a boomerang that won't come back? A stick. You know what boomerang is, don't you, huh? Boomerang is what you say when you don't like a lemon meringue pie. 
you boomerang. <laughs> Takes the tails, they take your mind off your mind. Little housekeeping here. If you like these podcasts or my spoken word story CDs at DickSummer.com or my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot from Amazon.com, shameless plug, would you please tell a couple of friends because they might like them too? And of course, you would be doing me a favor. So thank you very much. You beast. I think it's not so much what a guy says as what he means that really counts. Who, what, when, where, and why. The five elements of any good news story. And the most important is always why. The motive. I like figuring out my perspective of why people do things. You know, the motive. I've never been able to put my finger on why the woman in this story did what she did. The voices in the other room are quiet and intense. You're almost sure the woman just said your name. You're trying not to listen. But how can you help yourself? You put them together. On purpose. She's an artist and a friend of yours. That's why you invited her for the weekend. She makes a very good living working as a graphics consultant. But her real passions are oil painting, pottery, and passion itself. You've been there, you've seen her eyes slowly close as she shapes the glistening wet pottery clay between her fingers. It's so personal and so sensual that you feel like you shouldn't be watching. You've seen the small droplets of sweat form just above her lips when she's working on the painting that she calls The Lover's First Night. If you were a man, you'd give anything for just a few minutes that kind of hot, tender lust. You've been married for ten years now. You two were just kids. Now you have kids of your own. Your husband works very hard and very long hours. He's a chef. He's a good man. And he takes good care of you and the kids. You're taking a few years off from your career as a speech therapist to bring up the kids. It's a calculated risk with the way school budgets have been going. But the youngest isn't even a year old yet, and being there for these first vital formative years is more important to you than the money. For the last couple of years, it seems like both you and your husband have been constantly tired. It's not surprising with how tight your schedules have been. The one time you've had sex in the last year was when you got pregnant again. That's why you've enjoyed knowing your artist friend so much. She seems so energetic and vital and so sexy. You've tried to learn how to be that way again from watching her. And it seems to be working a little, certainly is tonight. Listening to those quietly intense voices in the other room. You said you had to get up early, so you were going to bed. You told your husband to... Stay up and entertain her. And you don't hear their voices anymore.
did she do that? And what effect did it have on her marriage? I mean, did it really turn on her passion for her husband? Or maybe some other woman's son? Or maybe some other woman's husband? I just don't know. The story is called Painting, Poetry, and Passion. It's from my Night Connections 2 Spoken Word Story CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, just go back to www.dicksummer.com and download the Night Connections 2 personal audio from the icon there. Or, tell you what, I will be glad to send you a free download. Just send me an email to dick at dicksummer.com. Motivation. Why would I send you a free download when I'm obviously interested in selling you a CD? I mean, what's my motive? You know, the real answer to that is kind of complicated. And part of it is that I am very pleased that you like something that I wrote and recorded. And I guess that's more important to me than making a few bucks. Back to you, Beast. The big-time TV news guy was accused of high crimes and misdemeanors for saying, quote, why haven't I fallen in love with you yet, end quote. Now, let's take a look at that. He said that to a woman in a TV makeup room while they were getting ready to go on the air. She said it made her uncomfortable. She was uncomfortable. He lost his job, which is kind of uncomfortable, too. Take it from a guy who has been through that more than once. She wasn't the only woman who said, you beast, to this guy. But, you know, I can't ask why did he do that. What was his motivation motor? A TV makeup room is not a romantic place. Somebody is smearing makeup on your face as fast as possible because there's almost always somebody else waiting behind you. Most makeup people are women. So there were probably two professional women smearing makeup on the TV guy and the U-Beast woman in a room that was about as romantic as a restroom. He says, why haven't I fallen in love with you before? I say, that was a compliment worth a giggle. And you know how I like giggles. But the TV guy put his own context to it in his own way. His explanation a little later was, It was a compliment on that woman's appearance that some men, including me, might have once incorrectly thought was okay. That doesn't sound like a beast to me, does it? In fact, I'd kind of agree with that. I think his motive was just to get her relaxed and giggling a little. And you know how I like giggles. My dad liked them too. You beast. Come on. Okay, time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall.
quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.